0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. How is everyone's pandemic going? Good? Well, I hope that your family and loved ones are safe. I'm your host, Charlie Chappell, and today we speak with a really talented casting director and absolute lover of film, David Guglielmo. David is a jack of many trades, casting just happens to be one he's quite good at. While casting, he also directs and writes and produces, even referring to himself as a casting producer sometimes. David has worked with a lot of great casting directors as an associate and as an assistant, as well as casting a fair few movies you can see with nearly 10 in various forms of production. We talk about some of his movies like The Standoff at Sparrow Creek, which is a dark indie thriller that I loved, Hospitality, which he co-wrote and co-directed, the horror comedy Satanic Panic, and the modern grindhouse VFW. We'll keep this intro short and sweet, so without any further ado, I hope that you learn as much as I did. Are we rolling? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, we, we just jump right in. This is very conversational. I do have a bunch of questions, but we're going to jump around a whole lot. But I want to talk a little bit about you before we dive into your credits, because you've got three that are filming, two in pre-production, you have been casting associate and assistant and consultant on a ton of things. But you also direct and you write and you produce. You have a lot of different hats that you wear. And I think that that's awesome because there are few casting directors who kind of take that route. Uh, I, I assume we're probably close to the same age. There's, I think, a mindset that we have had to have in this industry because I don't. you said you came out here eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago, this industry was in turmoil. It had gone from this like legacy industry to, oh, you have a 5D? You can go make a thing. <laughs> Fucking yeah. cool, go make a yeah. thing. Yeah. And there was a mentality that I think a lot of people who came out right around the same time that we did, of, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna learn it all. But your day job is casting. And that's interesting to me. You've been casting since what, 2016?
1: um yes uh i guess may- maybe 2015 i, I became okay. an assistant okay um but around that time yeah yeah
0: because yeah. 16 is your first credited uh assistant or associate one of the two with matthew
1: yeah so movies come out you know indies sometimes it takes them a year to right, come out right uh so i'd say probably 2015 i started
0: casting. yeah, yeah. so i want to talk a-, a little bit about your early entrance into casting in general because you've been a filmmaker for a while you've been around this industry for a while but i'm curious what took the turn into casting
1: yeah so my story is is i think atypical i don't know if there are any other directors that are also casting directors in the industry but uh you know the word directors and casting director for a reason they're actually very similar um, so I moved out here eight years ago. I went to School of Visual Arts in New York, studied film. And my whole life, I've, I've just been a huge cinephile. Actually, if we want to start at the very beginning. Let's
0: go back to the beginning. I,
1: I, I always tell people this because this is really funny. But when I was like eight years old, or eight or nine, whenever Scream came out, uh, 96, I think, uh, we, my friends and I just fell in love with that movie. And we knew every line, we would just watch it every day after school, and um, it it kind of, that's what got me into film. And I said, I wanna just, I wanna do this. Uh, And I said, uh, you know, I'm gonna be an actor. And my friend, my best friend, uh, he said, no, you can't be an actor, I'm gonna be an actor, don't be a poser, you know? Uh, (laughs) You gotta pick something else, you can't do the same thing as me. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. Um, All right, and I went to the library and actually picked out a book of all, like, it said professions in the you know know, in the film industry and i was looking and and, uh at that time we were always coming up with like fantasy movies like okay it's gonna be a a horror movie starring jennifer love hewitt and this person and that person in the 90s you know and we (laughs) would always come up with these like uh, uh fake these log lines and just kind of putting our dream team of actors in there and i saw a casting director and i was like wow that's what they do that's a job so i so there was about like a year Or so when I went around in elementary school telling people I'm going to be a casting director. (laughs) In elementary school? In elementary school. And then I got into um, Hitchcock and Kubrick and real auteurs, and and then I realized I wanted to be a director. Mm. But there was a year when I was telling people I was going to be a casting director uh, way back then. Yeah. Um, So yeah skip ahead to you know after film school i decide uh new york wasn't really it didn't feel like i was in the heart of it i needed to move to la so i came because it to was LA. film
0: it wasn't right just performance it wasn't just a regular it wasn't theater it was specifically film
1: right um and i was making short films and i was kind of you know i was learning a lot by doing mm-hmm. but i just didn't have anywhere to push into you know i i okay, I make something, what do I do now? Uh, Or I have a script, who do I give it to? And New York just felt like it was still, it was far away, LA was calling. Hmm. So I booked a one-way ticket. I had no money at the time. I had $500 in my pocket, literally. Mm -hmm. $500. I didn't have a job out here. I didn't have a place to live. I knew one person. And I stayed on his couch uh, for probably a month while I tried to figure it all out and I got a job at a juice bar Mm -hmm. and my coworker at the juice bar was like, I'm renting out a room, which really wasn't a room. It was like a glorified closet. (laughs) Um, And she's like, it's $500 uh, a month. And I was like, all right, done. So, so, so so, living in LA. Yeah. yeah. So, (laughs) so I worked at that juice bar for three years. And the funny thing is when you work at a juice bar in LA, everyone in the world comes in. So, I just met people all the time, um, people that ended up being instrumental in making my first film. Hmm. Um, I had, uh, uh, you know, I met investors that way.
0: You met investors working at a juice bar.
1: Yeah,
0: L.A. is so weird.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. yeah. So, so one guy, uh, you know, he was this. Uh, Texas guy his father was in oil and he's like I'm looking to I'm looking to put half a million dollars into a movie I want to make a thriller mm-hmm. I said okay well I have that because that whole time I was writing yeah um, so I showed him uh, the script for my movie No Way to Live mm-hmm. he uh, he really loved it and he was like let's do this so um, we started crewing up I hired a casting director uh, the, the film centers around two young people they're supposed to play like 16 yeah so I had heard that Matthew LaSalle was, like, the best at that, and he is. He, he really carved out a niche for himself doing that. Um, he did uh, Mean Creek. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of movies that, that were uh, younger, uh, you know, breakout roles. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to him. He signed on to cast it. He loved the script, and we started doing it. And then uh, about, like, six weeks out from shooting, the – Texas investor guy basically took a meeting that discouraged him and, and he goes oh I didn't know this was a bad investment you know And he <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah well it's an indie film you know I mean who knows right, right. Uh, um, and he uh, yeah he pulled out the money hmm so we ended up I think one person yeah one person uh, ended up keeping her money in and it was like twenty four thousand dollars hmm so all we had was $24,000. On and,
0: something that you were planning on making for half a million.
1: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I asked Matt if I can reach out to the actors directly. He said yes. And um, I said, hey, guys, the two leads, uh, Freya Tingley and Tom Williamson, I, mm-hmm. said, I said, I have $24,000. Would you be down to just uh, shoot whatever we can? Just shoot until the money runs out. And then I could take that, because the big thing was like, you know, I'd never made a feature. Um, so it was very hard to raise money for your first feature. Yeah. And uh, basically, I'll use that as my sizzle reel, as my proof of concept. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, sure. Uh, and we started shooting. And we basically shot half the movie uh, for $24,000. And it worked. I cut together a trailer, and we started uh, you know going around actually doing like like Kickstarter the old-fashioned way where I would actually call people handshaking and <laughs> yeah. yeah and um, and Nick my partner Nick chakwin his wife um, who at the time is his uh, uh, girlfriend she really just hit the ground running and and, and raised like you know she'd go out and come back I got $10,000 we we're like great so then we'd shoot again <laughs> and we shoot again and we shoot, shoot again and every weekend we we're going out and doing this for you know the whole year And we pieced together our movie and at that point I kept leaving the juice bar to go shoot and come back that uh, The the guy was like I don't want you here anymore. He fired me Um, and uh, Matt LaSalle said, well, what are you gonna do for a job now? And because we had gotten close during that time because you know, it was like a year of working together Yeah, Uh, and I said, I don't know. I guess I'll just hand out my resume go work at a bar or something And he he said well, why don't you come work for me? You could be my assistant. Hmm Um, and I had never thought about that because I thought I would need all this experience. And he's like, no, look, you're a human IMDb, you know, this is, and I, I mean, all the administrative stuff, uh, he could teach me, but I had the, I had the, the, the fundamentals where I had good taste mm-hmm. and I knew every actor and what they're in and, you know, so, um, I started working for him as, uh, his assistant and it was really just that I, that's where I learned everything. Yeah. Uh, he gave me a lot of responsibility. He really trusted me. Um, he, you know, let me speak to the agents, not just the agents assistants, you know, and, and really just kind of do everything. And, and, and I watched what he was doing. And I um, I, I just learned everything. And basically, he, he got an offer to go over to Paramount for a while. And he wasn't sure if he wanted to do that, because he had spent the last 15 years kind I mean, of. He was at Fox, yeah, right? For- uh, uh,
0: yeah, he was head of head of uh, uh, Paramount. Paramount, it was. Uh,
1: Paramount. Yeah, yeah, but he but you know he was kind of there was a a, a conflict there because he, he was not sure if he wanted to give up the Indies. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, look, why don't you go over there for a year? Or he maybe came up with this, but but uh, go for a year and see if you like it, and then and I'll just kind of you know hold down the the fort here, and 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 I, that's what I did, and I kind of handled. You trial know. by fire yeah I, I handled some of the indies and we would talk at night every mm-hmm. night and i would tell him what's going on and and yeah it really was uh and then by the time he came back is he actually preferred the indies and when he came back i i, I thought well i'm kind of ready now i think i i want to start my own company and i know so many people that are making movies mm-hmm. because they're my contemporaries you know producers and writers and directors so i just started telling everyone hey i'm casting now come to me yeah you know if you if you want to if Make a movie together, and, uh, and I worked. Did. I worked for a couple. <laughs> yeah, they and they did. It was really yeah. And then I built up a regular clientele, where it was basically yeah. like you know I, I had like three producers that would come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they all have a, a slate every year where they make five films a year, then right. you know that's great. Uh, I did do a couple of other assistant and associate jobs. Yeah. You know, I worked with Susan Shopmaker, who really taught me a lot. Yeah. I worked with uh, Roger Maccendin. He was he was great. Also gave me a lot of responsibility. So, uh, yeah, I was ready to start. And then I, I've only been doing this on my own for two or three years.
0: Right. And the amount of work that you've been able to put together in these two or three years is kind of staggering. I mean, the fact that you have so many films that are about to come out. And with so many high-profile actors in these kind of low-budget, um, really good thriller-based Worlds working with uh, sinister state. state, yeah, uh, so, right. And, and with Fangoria right now, like yeah. the stuff you're doing, you've carved out this niche for yourself fairly quickly. And like you said before we even started recording, like you've taken some big swings.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's a lifestyle that isn't for everybody because you don't have a set salary every mm-hmm. year. You have to go. So much of this job is, is getting that work and traveling to film festivals and networking. And, and, you know, just really, I spend more time trying to get the jobs than, than the, actually working jobs. on the jobs. Right. Um, but uh, so a lot of people, that would be very stressful. And for me, it was. Like for a while, I had to learn to Take those in between times as vacation and not stress the whole time because the work does come and then when it comes you're like well i was stressing that whole time i could have just you know i, I could have uh used that time to write or do something productive but um yeah yeah and so basically uh what happened with how i became the now i'm the head of casting at Cinestate yeah. and fingoria yeah and their new um company rebeller mm-hmm. which is really exciting um i had uh, I I sent an email to Dallas Sonier, the CEO of the company, uh, back when he was in a transition period. You know, I thought he was still I thought he was managing, um, but he was actually just starting to produce movies. So I reached out to him asking if he could be my manager, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to show him my movies. and And uh, he said, "Well, I'm not really doing that. I'm producing now." Uh, but we, we kept in touch, and he invited me to uh, the screening of his new film at the time, which was called Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine, and it just blew me away. And there aren't many people that were doing movies like that, the kind of movies that I
0: grew up watching. What kind of I'm not familiar with that one. What is, what yeah, is that? Yeah, it's with Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm.
1: and it's a it's a prison movie, uh, but it's just it's kind of like a modern day grindhouse movie okay you know yeah. really and you never know it keeps turning into something different and it's really really interesting and, yeah. it's, and it's idiosyncratic and it's by a guy named craig zahler um who's a really really strong voice and that's the reason why i reached out to dallas because i said well who has a career that like whose career would i want mm-hmm. and i and I, 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 Said okay. Well, at that time I only saw Bow and *Tomahawk*, but I was like, "That's the kind of movie no I Bow want to make."
0: Dope. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I reached out to Dallas and I said, "Okay, uh, I want you to be my manager." And he said, "Well, I'm producing." And then, and then uh, I guess I I probably said, "Well, great. Here, here a bunch of scripts." You know? And uh, eventually, uh, when I when I met with him at the screening, he said, "What are you doing for a day job?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm casting." And he said, "That's great. That's what I'm looking for. Let's talk." Hmm. And then I think he got pulled off in another direction or something and and a couple of weeks went by, and he sent me an email uh, asking if I'd read the at the time it was called the Incident at Sparrow Creek Lumber which we're going to ta- talk about that but it's called the uh, standoff at Sparrow Creek now yeah and um, man,
0: it was one of the best scripts that I've ever read it's a killer script
1: it was so good okay. that and and basically it was a casting director's dream because he said we tried to you know get big names and make this a bigger movie but in this climate people were reluctant to, to do this kind to of to do movie. a militia
0: movie right yeah
1: so we're just gonna pull the trigger at half a million dollars and you know I want you to just cast the best character actors for the roles
0: mm-hmm well you got to play them
1: yeah and, yeah. and, that's, and then I met with the director, Henry Dunham, and, and the thing also about... also wrote it,
0: correct? Yes, he wrote yeah. it,
1: yeah. And the thing about being a director and being a writer-director myself is that I find I, I really get along with directors. There is no disconnect at all. Uh, it's so seamless. I know the kind of movies they want to make. I can see their vision. I can duplicate that. You in, have in in shared casting. reference points. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um. And that's uh, that's something I think as a casting director that I uh, that I I bring to it that I'm not sure many people and I you know it, it's it's kind of an, it's a knowledge of every facet of the industry because I've raised money because I've broken down budgets. You've done distribution, because, you've done the yeah. whole gamut. Exactly yeah. that I, I I take all of that and I bring it into casting. And I've said uh, I've kind of coined a term for myself as a casting producer.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, because a lot of times uh, I'm dealing with the, you know, with the with the financing of the picture, uh, very early stages, coming on and attaching actors mm-hmm. that uh, are going to warrant uh, certain investments or or you know dealing with sales agents and leveraging different uh minimum guarantees you know to kind of gap finance the movie
0: yeah that
1: is uh it's producing it's it's getting
0: it's getting the film made that is producing right but
1: in this case for sparrow you know the money was all there and i could just cast my favorite actors and my taste and henry's taste were very very similar yeah so it was just one of those things that clicked. Yeah. And we had such a good time in that movie and it went to TIFF and everyone loved it. And it was just a really, it was a really great experience.
0: Um, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that one. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's written and directed by Henry Dunham. Uh, it stars James Dale, Chris Mulkey, Brian Garrity, uh, Robert Aramayo. Is that how you say his name? Yes. Um, Patrick Fischler, Happy Anderson, Gene Joan, and Cotter Smith. Um this was the first one I watched of your movies and from the get go I was in. This is it's 100% my type of movie. Um I love low budget get it done down and dirty one location good actors great writing. Um it's super aligned with my taste. It's about a former cop turned militia man who investigates a shooting that had just happened at a police funeral and I'm one I'm from Arkansas endlessly fascinated by militias Mm -hmm. um, by uh, Imperium was one that you had worked on uh, they're similar it's very similar very similar (laughs) Um, uh, also a fucking really great movie Uh, you worked with Matthew on that one uh, and Susan and Susan Shopmaker Daniel Radcliffe in that movie first time I saw him as not Harry Potter and was like fuck yeah
1: so he's the reason that movie got made it was
0: great
1: Uh, it was just a script yeah And, and then his attachment you know, got the financing for the yeah. movie. So that's a good example of an actor greenlighting a film.
0: Yeah. Um, so because this film is about, ca- or this show is about casting, uh, I'm going to focus my praise around the cast of this movie because one, it's rightfully deserved. Um, from the moment that these guys all get together in the lumberyard and start pinging back and forth off of one another, I was in. I was, I was just kind of smitten with, the different roles that they had taken on as the characters um and the the how they set up that world so quickly and so efficiently was really well done it's great filmmaking it's also beautifully shot it's
1: like a great play but it is beautifully shot and that's the thing you know i knew the script was good Mm -hmm. but you never know with first-time directors how they're going to execute it visually yeah um and i knew he was a really intelligent guy but you know, you just never know. People watch a lot of TV these days, and sometimes you watch movies, and you're like, "That's not a movie. That's
0: right. That's that's TV. Right. That's a procedural. <laughs> right. looking, Yeah. Um,
1: but wow, I yeah. mean, it's so well shot. It's
0: so well lit. It's stark. It's, it's dark. Like and... darker
1: than Gordon Willis. Yeah, uh, which and, I dug. I and, thought it and it served the yeah. story
0: extremely well.
1: Yeah, and and that's also a credit to Dallas and Amanda, the producers, because I mean, you know, I've worked with a lot of producers that would never let a movie get that dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and, yeah. and and they really um the director is uh king over at CineState. Cine that's kind of their through line you know um that I if like someone that. comes in if someone comes in with a really strong vision and they know what they're doing Don't then mess you, with it. you step back and you let them do their thing
0: yeah yeah and i think that that it serves it really well because when you have especially with limited resources you've got a half a million dollar film yeah. let them execute that as as that the best of their ability and if you start Saying no, you got to do it this way, or start like injecting yourself into that, it becomes something that it wasn't intended to be in the first place. Yeah. and I think that that can mess things up.
1: Well, I have a big problem with with uh, indies operating like their studios, mm. and you know, uh, having too many cooks in the kitchen on a, on a really small movie just kind of defeats the purpose of making that movie. Yeah, I think that if you're at that budget level, yeah, just complete creative control.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um, well how did the, how did it work then with casting this in conjunction with your director Henry like how how much did he have to say about that and how much did uh they have to say about it the uh, cenestate like how did that process of collaboration work with casting
1: Yeah it was just a conversation and um sometimes you know, someone doesn't see it uh, well. You know, and then and, and then and then, you know, and then I or Henry or Dallas, we have to explain. You know, it's just a, it's just a conversation. Uh, but we landed on all of all actors that we were just incredibly enthusiastic about. So there really wasn't too much uh, disagreeing or the friction at all because. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't have to go down the line. We didn't have to keep offering the same rollout to people, which in some films you do, because the script was so good that when these actors got it, they just said yes. Right. I mean, it was, w- a it was a painless pro- uh, process. Yeah. It, was, it was on the blacklist. Yeah. I mean, I held auditions, but for the most part, these guys, these guys were just, we offered them and they did it. Yeah, And that was that.
0: And we got That's a our, good feeling we got our right first choice yeah. yeah,
1: we just got our first choices. That's not always the case, but it was the case on this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. What are some of the bargaining chips outside of script that you, as a casting director, have in terms of getting other really good actors? Because this film has a, a it's a it's an ensemble piece. It's basically one location inside this lumberyard but they're all really good actors and and most of these people you're going to recognize their faces from something right what are some bargaining chips to get these good actors together
1: this one is is the script really spoke for itself yeah in in, um on other films you know i give a very enthusiastic sales pitch and and the reason why i'm able to do that is because i'm not bullshitting mm-hmm. i'm not a used car salesman and i and you know i won't i'll turn down a movie if i feel like i i don't it's not a movie that i would want to go see mm-hmm. so when i call these agents if it's something like satanic panic yeah not everyone's understanding it mm, they're not putting their you know top client clients necessarily in satanic panic but when i call them and i tell them look remember when you were at Blockbuster Video and you saw that movie and it was like, you know, the cover just, and I really, really give that 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 pitch about what it is and who, what kind of audience is going to have. And I think that enthusiasm is uh, contagious. And not to say the script wasn't a good script, it was a good script, but that type of midnight movie, uh, a lot of people Listen. won't understand. So, so I have to paint the picture. And, um, And then it kind of takes them back to when they were a kid and they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, this is like, you know, this is a lot of fun. Um, And then we end up with, you know, amazing actors like Rebecca (laughs) Romijn, who apparently had always wanted to do a horror movie, but they just weren't taking them to her or whatever the case may be. Right. So so this was kind of like that uh, unexpected dream project for her which which was really which is really cool to hear
0: yeah yeah that's
1: that's kind of what it is it's just when I call and say that I have a great script and I want that to mean something and I want them to you know to to really uh believe that that it is and and it's not like oh he says that every time you know so so I like to uh to work on movies that that I want to watch and I want to hang the poster in my office Mm -hmm. and I want you know I'm I, I need to be proud of everything
0: yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'm curious, too, with this cast, you say that th- these are some of your first choices. What was it about, you know, James Badge Dale or, or Brian Garrity that stood out to you in these particular roles?
1: Well, they're it's a very masculine movie. It is. And they're masculine guys. Yeah. And they they're also very, they don't have to do a lot. You know they they they're, they're subtle.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Brian Garrity has a kind of uh, an inner. Um, I cast him twice now, and there's just something. There's an intensity. Uh, you can see the wheels turning. There's an intelligence and an intensity where you could tell that there's a lot of inner conflict. Yeah. You know, just in his eyes, he doesn't have to speak, and you know this guy's troubled. Something's going on. Not in real life, but in- <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. But uh, and and I like that. And James Badge Dale just you know he's just a leading man he's just a star he has that that star quality you know like you're just you, you, want, to you want to watch him you want to watch him yeah so um yeah it all just kind of uh, it all just kind of made sense i always look for the people that embody the the roles the most mm-hmm. and it's it's not always sometimes you people don't think of them because maybe they're They've done comedies or whatever the case may be, but I try to think of every movie uh, as its own thing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, like I said from the get-go, this one I was super into. Um, I think they all did such a fantastic job, and it's one that really lived on the cast because it's there's no the visuals are great, but it's literally fucking six guys yeah. in a lumberyard. It's a play. It is. It's, it's a
1: great play. And when I met with Henry, I said, you know, it really reminded me of um, of, uh, 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 Death and the Maiden, mm-hmm.
0: the Ariel yeah. Dorfman play. Yeah. Um,
1: and uh, he was like, I, I watched that three times <laughs> while I was writing it. So, so you know, we, we got each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Let's jump forward a little bit. Uh, and by forward, I think it came out the same year um, to one that you... Uh, co-wrote, co-directed with your partner, Nick Chakwin, mm-hmm. uh, called Hospitality. Yeah. Um, in this one, you've got a really tight cast of five. Emmanuel Treaky, Sam Trammell, J.R. Bourne, Connor McVicker, and Jim Beaver. Jim Beaver's awesome. The man. It's about a woman with a checkered past who has to protect her son when a man brings trouble into her isolated bed and breakfast. You co-wrote, co-directed? What was that process like? Taking because this was your second film. Yeah. Did you, I'm not sure, did you co-direct uh, the yes. one previous as well? Curious about the co-direction aspect of things. Yeah.
1: So remember when I said I stayed on my friend's couch? Yeah. That's him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and while I was staying on his couch, uh, we were both writing things separately. And... Um, we 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 had both finished our respective scripts and we were going to start a new one and we were like wait why don't we just start one together since we're under the same roof and nine times out of ten that that does not work but this time it did and uh now you know we're both interested on in doing things on our own um but when we write a script together people tend to really love it and mm. then it becomes a movie and and you know we both are directors so we're just like well we're both going to direct this and uh our, our personalities uh, tend to complement one another and you know uh we're on the same page and it's just been a very painless fun process mm-hmm. um so uh so yeah hospitality was a blast it was like you know god We shot it in 13 days, (laughs) you know, uh, the whole movie was $200,000. Um, and you know, casting and directing, uh, have really helped one another for me and not just in terms of like, well, in two ways, one, I'm always working with actors every day. So I have auditions and I'm, I'm able to keep that tool sharp reps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because on any given set, the director probably the least. Uh, the director has the least amount of experience. You know, people crew, or they're going from movie to movie to movie to movie. A director, if you're making one movie a year, well, you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you're not. It's not one movie a year, so there's a little bit. You know, you're rusty mm-hmm. when you start to talk to actors, um, whereas I get that experience every day, day in and day out. Yeah. Um. But in another way that it helps me is that, you know, so so the way hospitality happened was I was assisting matt this was after i had moved on and started some stuff on my own and then matt needed some help and i went matt lasalle i went and helped him on a movie called skin in the game yeah and uh i was just helping him run session and do lists and things like that and i met the producer uh howard barish of that and he he told me he was doing a slate of indies for first-time directors and i said well i'm a second-time director can i meet with you and talk some projects he said yeah sure and and i asked him what you know what was needed and wanted from his slate. And he said, I'm looking to do a contained thriller. It's got to be, you know, $250,000, that range. uh, So as contained as possible, but I'm looking to do a thriller. And um, he's like, do you have have anything like that? I said, yeah, I do. I do. Let me go home and look it over, but but I'm going to send it to you soon. I didn't have anything (laughs) like that. So I went home and I wrote it. Uh And uh, I wrote it with Nick in four days because we just wanted to get it to him before someone else came and took that slot. Mm -hmm. So I sent it to Howard and- Did you have an
0: idea kicking around before of this kind of story?
1: Yeah, so Stephen King calls this, he says, he calls ideas cups and handles. Now, a lot of times you have a cup and that cup is with you for years and years and years. And all you need is the handle to complete it. Yeah. Um, And we had the cup for this but Mm -hmm. we didn't have the handle um but then this kind of urgency forced us to kind of make that handle and we sat down and we had one conversation and we're just like all right boom let's do this and then we wrote it in four days and i sent it in and he loved it and next thing i knew we were in pre-production and then we shot the movie in 13 days we had a cut a week later because when you shoot a movie in 13 days you really don't have much coverage (laughs) you're just shooting for the edit (laughs) um and the whole thing was just kind of like the opposite of no way to live which took forever to make right you had pieced that one together and this one was yeah here are the pieces right but we got really lucky um in our emmanuel who read it without because i I was i was under the impression that okay it's such a small movie no one's really going to want to do this um i'm just gonna have to find you know people on actors access you know maybe open casting call or whatever and just try to find people that that are just really great actors but you know uh need this opportunity yeah um and i guess emmanuel's agent gave it to her because i didn't even submit it it just went to her huh Uh, i i she was on my list of you know dream actors but it was kind of she was on the in the category of yeah right
0: sure never I mean, gonna happen
1: yeah. <laughs> and she read it and she loved it and the next day we met and and she was just the coolest uh
0: what is it you think contributed to her loving it not i mean the script is good don't get me wrong but like what is the opportunity in that for an actress of her caliber yeah i think that
1: you know there's a lot of content out there but there's it's not it's i think it's the same thing as sparrow where when you when you get really good dialogue and you get stuff that's 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 um you know an actor's piece Mm -hmm. where it's really just about the drama of it and not about i don't know cg or or you know whatever um networks don't have their hands in it it's just a pure piece of art Mm -hmm. i think they really like that i mean our actors are artists and um i think it's it's a, a breath of fresh air to get something that um you know is is maybe against type Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, and and it's nice because actors drive the industry they really do you know you take something that's not marketable on paper uh not marketable and you put the right actor in it and all of a sudden it's marketable yeah so i think that's a a really cool thing because actors tend to have good taste Mm -hmm. so i like them kind of driving the market
0: yeah so you said she was on your list were the other people in this film on your list and how did you end up because I mean coming from a casting background as well as a directing background those sorts of things probably have to be going through your head even while you're sitting and writing
1: yeah so Sam Trammell was my first choice um I actually sent the script to his agent before we had financing like uh because Howard was still kind of like he was on the fence about he you know he was or maybe he knew but he was kind of playing his cards (laughs) and uh i i was a little insecure about whether or not this movie would get made for like a week Mm. so basically i reached out to um to sam's agent and said uh will he read the script because i thought if i attached some people maybe it would be like the trains leaving the station like uh you know and bring value to the project um and he was like i don't know i'm kind of reluctant to give him a, a script that isn't financed and I said, okay, all right. So then once we got financing, he was the first offer we sent out. And, and he did it, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, Jim was in my uh, my friend Oren Shai's film called The Frontier. And I thought he was so great in that. Um, and I, of course, had seen him pop up in all these other things. But yeah. I thought he was particularly really great in that film. And um, yeah, and then I was, you know, he wanted to do it. And I was we were just you know, striking gold. It was really, really a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: I mean, it's, it's a really fun movie. I highly recommend checking it out. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Again, going back to one of the reasons that I really did want to sit down with you is you, there's, there's something I really love. Um, and I've talked about it many times on this show before, uh, in conversations about like, um, Britt Marling and Zalbet Mongledge. Or like people who well, I know. Just, I go, know just go fucking yeah. do it. Go make a yeah. thing. He it.
1: actually gave us great advice. Yeah? Great advice when we were making our first film. Yeah, About that same thing. Like go out and just make your movie. Doesn't matter if you don't have money.
0: Right. Uh, because yeah. you can. Yeah. So
1: Nick, Nick was an assistant to to Zal on uh, Sound of My Voice.
0: Cool. Um, and yeah. that movie was incredible. It was. For as simple as it was. There was no, you didn't need anything more than that. Yeah. Yeah. To tell that story. And yeah. It was, that's it's one of the reasons I still talk about that. I, <laughs> I talk about them all the fucking time. I've got yeah. three posters in my room, and uh, uh, Another Earth is one of those posters. You should interview them. I would love to interview them. I can introduce you. That would be incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I think that one of the hardest things about making stuff is casting. Because there are so many, uh, there are many directors who have said it over the years, um, and I don't know who's originally credited with saying it, but once you have casting, casting is, is a, it's like 80% of your project. If you get the right cast in place, they really bring life to your words. Um, and, and I think that, you know, with the films that you have done and the films that you've got coming out that are slated uh, to come out in the near future... You've been able to find really incredible casts for these kind of, uh, and I, I I don't even like saying lower budget or lower tier movies because they're just indies. Yeah, they are independent. It seems are independently like what what is this studio? Cinestate.
1: Yeah. So so Cinestate is is um, founded by Dallas Sonier, mm-hmm. um who was a manager and then and then started producing. and basically he has a story that that is really a crazy uh, but also inspiring story that you can google anyone could google I'm not gonna no'll well, uh, no, 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 we'll uh, go into yeah, it here yeah. but it's it's really um, he suffered some some tragedy, big tragedies in his yeah. life and used that as kind of I think he calls it um I think he calls it post-traumatic, what does he call it? It's really interesting. Um, uh, Maybe it's post-traumatic productivity or something like that, Uh something along those lines. But he took this, which would, for most people, just completely disable and break them. He he took it as um, an incentive to do exactly what he wants to do. Love. Like, there's no more time for bullshit kind of yeah. thing. So he moved back to Texas, and he created this production company that is making a very specific type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now, so while I was casting Sparrow, I read in the trades that he had acquired Fangoria. And ah, the, okay. I mean, he kept it as a secret. Yeah. When I was a kid, I grew up, I, I grew up, that was my, uh, like, that was my Bible. That was my...
0: Fangoria play. was. That yeah. was my, you know, yeah. like, that
1: was the everything. Like, uh-huh. when 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 Fangoria came in the black case and everything, it was like, it was exciting, and it was kind of like, maybe I shouldn't be reading this. And, uh-huh. You know, it was all types of... A little uh, taboo. A it little, was, yeah. it was. But it was also kind of a foray into a world of filmmaking that um, was very close-knit, and done with a lot of love, and done with a lot of um, there was there was a tactile kind of indie quality to them mm-hmm. that at the time I wasn't seeing because because you know there were that was the time of only studios and blockbusters yeah um, so when I saw that kind of like you know special effects and using you know I don't know water balloons filled with blood and stuff. I, I, that was very inspiring. Yeah. Um, so I grew up really, uh, loving that world. And, um, in college, I used to email the, the guys who owned it at the time and, and say, I want a job. Can I work with you? And, um, what little did I know? I didn't know that they were going under because print was just going under. Mm -hmm. So they were always saying like, no, look, we like you, but, but not right now. We're not hiring. Um, so, when Dallas acquired the brand, I called him up. I said, "Look, I'll help you in any way. I'll write for free. I don't care." And he said, "Well, you are helping me. You're, you're going to be the head of casting. We're turning this into a studio." Mm-hmm. And my head exploded. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a real full circle moment for me. It was yeah. really um, and it still is. Sometimes I have to pinch myself, you know, and be like, "Wow, I'm making movies. I'm, not only am I doing what I said I was going to do and I'm making movies. You know, but but for Fangoria, Mm -hmm. this is a it's really it's a dream come true. Yeah, um, but but he yeah, you know it's so it's kind of like a Blumhouse, but it's different. Yeah, because we're making you know we're making indie movie uh, indie kind of midnight, uh, very very smart, articulate films, but for that kind of that's that space that isn't always you know, being filled, which yeah. is like VFW. Right. Um, uh, Satanic Panic, uh, the, you know, we, it's, it's, it's very exciting and it's very new. Yeah. So they're all going to come out around the same time. And I think people are going are gonna to go like either, what the hell is this? Or, <laughs> or I love this. <laughs> right. I
0: think there's definitely a market yeah. for that too. There's a huge market for that. Yeah. People are consuming content all the time. And there is a market for extremely well-written, especially well-written, because even Satanic Panic. Let's talk about Satanic Panic. 2019 horror comedy. Uh, You got Rebecca Romaine and Arden Mirren and Haley Griffith and Ruby Modine and a whole slew of really funny people. It's about a pizza delivery girl who delivers some pies to some high society Satanists um, in need of a virgin sacrifice and hilarity and horror ensue, Um, directed by Chelsea Stardust. Uh, it's her first feature. Um, uh, she did uh, one before that. She did one before that. Yeah. Okay, not on IMDb. Interesting. It, it's
1: uh, because it's probably under the TV category. It uh, might be. It got picked up by Hulu, Blumhouse. Uh, it's called All That We Destroy. Oh, okay. Um, and it was a. It was one of those episodes of of their anthology. But okay. it was feature length. But
0: it was feature length. Yeah. Okay. She had also done a ton of shorts. Yeah. Um, she long time assistant to Jason Blum, um, and. I'll admit, this genre is a little outside of my wheelhouse. Um, I grew up in Arkansas, Bible Belty. Uh, So, uh, horror, I mean, up until last year, I hadn't really seen a whole lot of horror movies until I decided I'm going to make a horror movie. And then now I'm watching all the horror movies and really have gotten into this world. And, you know, I'm watching this movie watching the trailer at first, I was like, I don't really know what to expect with this. And then sitting down and watching it going, Oh wait, there, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, From it's not necessarily from the trailer, but from what my expectation of this genre to be the horror comedy world has uh, maybe a stigma to people who like to take themselves too seriously, maybe, or to, um, because I definitely fall into that category sometimes. But it was such a fun movie, yeah, with such a fun cast, and Rebecca Romaine showing up, and and Haley Griffith giving a really great performance. Yeah, um, well, she
1: was this is this was her first carrying
0: film. this movie.
1: Yeah, uh, she was one of the first auditions um, that came in. It was a self tape from New York. Hmm. And I knew right away. I was just like, this is the girl, but you still have to do your due diligence. You still have you've... to see like a thousand more people, even though I didn't want to, because I was like, this is the girl guys. And then it, it, you know, in the end, everyone was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is. She so is. And, and um, that was, uh, I love that. That's so rewarding for me. It, yeah. It, when it's someone's first movie. Yeah. And you know, and they're like in every scene of the movie and it's like, it's just the coolest thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious is this because I, I know you said uh, Scream was an early influence is this world I mean and and now hearing that Fangoria was that one of those mm-hmm. things that you grew up on is this a world that you really like playing in and yeah. what are what are some unique aspects of casting within that world of uh, the horror and horror uh, comedy and I mean we'll get to VFW but like that type of grindhouse movie like what is it about that yeah well see when i was in college i actually worked for trauma you did (laughs) yeah i did um and
1: and and that was actually a lot of fun and i love lloyd um but my problem was that you know with respect the 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 production left a lot to be desired Mm -hmm. Um, not with the movies that lloyd directed necessarily those are those aren't bad, but but the ones that they acquired, they acquired a lot of terrible movies. Mm. and um, I always thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to kind of take this uh, grind house, you know the, the these kind of you know, maybe you consider them lowbrow or whatever it is, but but get a really great writer, get a great cinematographer, get a, a director who maybe has something to say mm-hmm. and, and 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 kind of, you know, merge, merge that, that kind of, uh, art, the artistry with that, like, gleeful, ridiculous, uh, yeah. blood and guts kind of stuff together, uh, the way Sam Raimi did it or the way these people did it in a very unpretentious, really fun, intelligent way. Yeah. Um, and, um, and Chelsea got that and, um, and yeah, this was kind of, for me, satanic panic was that yeah. it was what i always wanted working at trauma and never got mm-hmm. um and um you know the script was sharp it was like it is. the dialogue was really yeah. good and yeah and um, and that's
0: the thing that's like when i say that it's not really my bag or like my expectations were different is usually my expectations for this kind of movie is like Oh, I'm gonna have yeah. to kind of suffer through bad dialogue or bad acting, or, and then it gets to where the movie really takes off, and it's like, no, 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 I'm not gonna have to suffer through any of that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's my rule is, yeah. that, is that no matter what you're making, make sure the acting is great. Yeah. Make sure the acting is grounded, and make sure everyone is like they need to be real. And if we're making a really ridiculous movie. Then that's gonna come from the situation, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't be giving a wink or they shouldn't be overacting. Yeah, uh, they need to. This is this is Shakespeare. Yeah, for them. Yeah, you know, and the stakes are real, and like that's the kind of, um, that's how you get people like you who aren't necessarily going to rent this movie. That's how you get them invested. Yeah, um, and the movie ended up being because of Chelsea, I think and because of the two girls, Ruby and Haley, who who genuinely had a real chemistry. Yeah, they did. It became a very uh, warm, very... It be- became a buddy movie. And that's the thing that you don't see in a lot of these midnight movies. They're, a lot of the times they're very mean-spirited. Huh. Um, yeah. You know, for better or for worse. Sometimes it needs to be mean-spirited. Um, but for this one... It felt warm. It felt fun and kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. And 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 that's kind of interesting to have a movie that's cute while at the same time Rebecca Romijn is sticking her hand down the guy's neck and ripping out his <laughs> organs. <laughs> right. I mean, when do you get that? You know. So that right. was. I, I just think it's a. Um, you know. It it became quite uh, idiosyncratic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I think this is a good opportunity to kind of transition to VFW as well. Um, this one's written by Max Brayler uh, and Matthew Mcardle, um, directed by Joe Begos. This cast fucking rocks. Um, you've got Stephen Lang, William Sadler, Fred Williamson, Martin Cove, David Patrick Kelly, George Went is in this fucking <laughs> Back movie. In Back at a bar, at the end of the bar, <laughs> when he sits in the uh, I love same that seat. that the exact same seat. Yeah. Uh, I loved that moment, and then Tom Williamson, who you cast in No Way to Live, uh, he gets to show up. Uh, Sierra McCormick and Travis Hammer. It's a proper grindhouse movie in 2019 about a group of war veterans who must defend their local VFW post and an innocent teen uh, against this kind of deranged drug dealer and his army of punk mutants. I think is a pretty good description of it. It is so much fun, uh, and again, it's. A, I don't watch a lot of Grindhouse movies, but this movie sucked me in because of these actors, because of the performance, and there's it's grounded. It doesn't, you know, wink ever really. I mean, there are references for sure all over the place, but they're grounded in the characters that they are and from the moment that these men are sitting around this vfw bar telling war stories with one another you're in it and you care about these characters it's it's not just this like oh we're gonna chop people up with a saw which right. we're gonna do that too <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we're gonna tell a cool story about these guys who you actually will care a little bit about and that i think is it can be rare within this genre yeah it's and the same thing.
1: It's the same yeah. thing. Give it a heart. Yeah. Give it a heart. Make the characters real. Yeah. And casting great actors is the way to do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I got to put together a dream team.
0: How did you get this dream team together?
1: Well, I think once we got Stephen Lang, mm. everyone else... Came together because he's a real actor's actor. He's from the theater. He, Mm. you know, people want to work with Stephen Lang.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's one of the other things that you have to horse trade on. Is this is who else is attached? You want to come play? Yeah. Yeah. And it gets Uh.
1: easier as the pieces start to come together. Yeah. Um, It was again a low budget movie, so not. I. uh, You know, it it has its challenges, Mm -hmm. Uh, but. Again, the script is really good. And Joe is someone who I could very enthusiastically pitch because I love his work. Yeah. Um, And I've loved his work even before I met him, even before I was doing this movie. I thought Almost Human was really, really great. Um, And that was shot for like $50,000 at the most, Mm. you know, and it's and it's kind of like a um, invasion of the body snatchers, you know, uh, John meets John Carpenter kind of thing. So I've had my eye on him and, and I knew that he was someone, you know, that I could go out and, uh, and kind of act like, like his manager or agent, you know, um, when I'm talking to, uh, talent reps. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and that's, that's another thing that I feel like I have, you know, in, um. My skill set is, you know, not everyone's going to think of someone like Fred Williamson. Uh, This was perfect for me. Yeah. This was the movie that I was (laughs) born to cast. Yeah. I wrote my college thesis on Fred Williamson. (laughs) What? Yeah. I was in an African-American history class. Uh, Had nothing to do with film. It was just African-American history. Um, But you got to choose what you wanted to focus on for your thesis. And I wrote mine on uh, the films of Fred Williamson. And how they were different from the films of Sidney Portier and, uh, kind of went through the history of black film. Uh, and I stood up there and I gave it the oral presentation and I had my trailers and I had everything. Uh, so another full circle moment being able to <laughs> cast him. Uh, but you know, he's not on everyone's
0: list, Yeah,
1: you know? <laughs> right. So,
0: yeah. and I think that that's one of the things about this movie, like these guys that are in this movie, they may not be given these kinds of roles anymore. But these are some of the types of roles that they're really known for early in their career and the stuff that they get. like. There's so much play in this movie that they get to do. And again, it's another single location, very contained, almost play-like setting. Um, And I mean, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, the idea that the cinematographer, which I love the cinematography in this, it is perfectly grindhouse. The colors are great, but they lit it, like they needed to light it and let them kind of play, so they could jump around and shoot. Yes, and that's I,
1: absolutely right. I think they. I, I mean, I I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure they lit it. They lit the whole bar, 360, so Joe could run around. He operates. He operates. The he camera. operated.
0: Yeah. Ah. Okay. Um.
1: And then you know I'm sure they you know if you need to bounce a little light on someone or something sure. you do it. But but Joe is I think able to kind of run around with the camera and just do what he wanted to do he's a madman i love it he's a madman yeah i mean he's at a 10 the whole time Mm -hmm. and and that kind of energy you could see comes off in all of his films yeah he has a film called bliss that he did right before he was finishing bliss while he was in pre-production on on this on Mm -hmm. bfw you got to check out that i will it's unbelievable
0: yeah yeah. You know, the
1: thing is with these indie films, with all indie films, really not, maybe not all of them, but if if you're making them for the right reasons, you attract the people that really want to do it because they're taking a pay cut. They come because they want to be there. And then it becomes like this summer camp, you know, and it, yeah. and it was that way on No Way to Live. It was that way on Hospitality. And it's definitely that way with all the Cinestate State, Fangoria movies, Sparrow, Satanic Panic. They all actually like, they don't go to their trailers, you know, they Everybody's hang out. hanging out and they're watching them. Out and, yeah. And, they're, and, they're, and they become friends, and, and uh, what you're seeing on camera, that, that kind of camaraderie, that's real. Yeah. Like these guys, when they're trading war stories, they're basically, when the camera turns off, they're trading war stories about movies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a, a, you know, that yeah. they've been on and connecting the dots and Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon and yeah. et cetera. You know, so they're all, they, they've been circling around the same exact. If they didn't know each other, they knew of each other. Right. And, and, and they uh, know
0: this, they have the same struggles. They have those same, literally. like, the things that they've gone through. It's literally the same war stories.
1: So you're seeing that on camera. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that that's really kind of, it only exists in indie. <laughs> I yeah. feel like you have to be passionate and you have to be around other passionate people otherwise it's just not going to work exactly. you're not going to be able to shoot a movie in 13 days without a bunch of passionate people right. Right. behind you to shoot this movie in 13 days and that leads me into you have you you seem to build relationships really well and and have made creating and fostering relationships a, a core part of your ability to make all of this happen because i think that that's a big part of this industry but you've also found yourself around really passionate people how
1: i think my my energy attracts that yeah i'm just so passionate about film it's like i live breathe eat film i've had relationships that broke up because I was too into film. I, you know, like, that is just what I do. Yeah. And when I go home after this, after work, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm going to watch two movies tonight, you know, and I'm exploring a director's career or I'm exploring a, a country's cinema or whatever whatever it is. Um, I'm a never- I'm a lifelong student of film,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, that's how I kind of make a lot of my friends. That's how I make a lot of. It's just it's. You know, I'm not going to attract people that are either a not passionate or b um, bitter about the industry you know yeah, that's not going to happen because i don't have time for that yeah i'm like you need to be you need to love what you do we have the best job in the world and if you don't see that then you're not my guy you, go, you know go home <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know uh so so uh, i think that yeah and i go to these festivals and i and i and i have a really good memory too uh for connecting the dots and and if i meet someone I'll say, and they tell me their name. I go, oh yeah, I know you. Their IMDb gets pulled up in my in my brain, uh-huh. and I and I go, yeah, yeah. And then I know that person that worked on that movie, and I know this person. And basically, what I just did with Zal with you, i you know like that's what I do all the time. And and um, and you realize how small this film community is.
0: It's a very tiny world. Yeah. I mean, uh, I literally because I was watch I watched uh, Satanic Panic yesterday, and hit her up and was like hey, do you by any chance know Chelsea? I was like, oh, yeah, I just saw Chelsea last night. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I'm friends with Sean, so. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it's also this. Also just like that whole world. I'm
1: very much sort of embroiled in the horror world. Oh, so, cool. Um, we well, should get you a mic Rob
0: then. Who you probably work with. <laughs> of course. Like so. With my very first
1: boss. Oh, my God. So Rob's the head of acquisitions for Fangoria. Mm-hmm. Um. So I work with Rob pretty closely yeah (laughs) oh wow that's so cool
0: it's just such a small (laughs) world and once you like i've been out here 12 years now i've started to realize that more and more like the ones who have stayed that have staying power that will be in this industry until the day they die Mm -hmm. like myself are that's my people and that's the the type of thing and and that's why i'm curious with you about you know What is it about you that attracts that? And what is it about that that attracts you to those things? Um,
1: Well, it's a game for me. Yeah. And and, and a lot of people, when you talk about film, the first thing they do is they let out a big sigh. (laughs) and And they go, you know, it's tough. It's so tough. It's so hard. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you're saying that like it's a bad thing. I think that's cool. I think that's it's like I always like I I embrace those challenges, and for me, it's a game, and and it's kind of like, well, yeah, of course, it's hard, (laughs) like, but I I don't want to be bored. I'd rather it be hard than
0: you know. I grew uh, up on a farm. Yeah, I know hard work. Exactly. This is this this can get hard for sure. There's difficulties in this, but it's problem solving. It's fun difficulties. We're still making a movie at the end of the day.
1: It's not, uh, it's not surgery. The stakes are not so high. It's you're, you're making a movie and what's the worst case scenario? The movie's not good. Okay. (laughs) You know, but you're, but (laughs) you know, uh, so, so yeah, I, I tend to stick with those people that feel that way and, and want to take that journey and Mm want to keep kind of setting new goals and, and let's make, let's make a bigger movie now. Let's, you know, see if we can get this actor in it and you know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, well, I, we're at a little over an hour now. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a very busy guy with all the things you've got running. (laughs) I could totally do this all day too. Uh, uh, but unfortunately we do have some other work that we've got to get to, like the real job stuff. Um, (laughs) I am curious, uh, well, I, I want to mention you've got multiple projects coming, uh, with CineState. Uh, Till Death with Jason Sudeikis and Evangeline Lilly. Uh, The Seventh Day with Guy Pearce. Run, Hide, Fight with Isabel May and Thomas Jane. All actors I fucking dig. They're all great actors. Isabel's
1: a movie star. We're going to be seeing her for the rest of our lives in movies. Yeah.
0: Great. Um, I'm curious... what other things that you may have in the works that you're uh, interested in letting people know about? Are you directing some more things? What's going
1: on? Yes, yes. I have a movie coming out. I'm coming out. Uh, I have a movie. (laughs) I like the... (laughs)
0: I'm
1: shooting a movie. I'm directing a movie in uh, the summer. Uh, Hopefully, we're we're eyeing August, but it's a horror movie. So uh, it's my first time directing a horror movie, which feels like I should have been doing that a while ago. Um, I'm very excited about that. Uh, CineState has and Fangoria has a ton of movies that we are, right now, I'm, I think I'm working on six that we're, that we're trying to, you know, piece together and figure out when we're shooting. Um, Run, Hide, Fight is a movie that is, um, truly amazing. Uh, I am also an associate producer on it because it took us Two years to to get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a school shooting, um, and as you can imagine, that was very challenging yeah. to to uh, get actors on that movie and even make that movie. We had to fly under the radar and use a fake title and all that stuff. Mm. Um, but it's it's really moving and really just whew, everything. I'm not even like prepared to talk about it yet. Cool. or or slash allowed. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. Yeah. But it's going to come out in the fall um and I think it's really uh going to uh definitely going to start a dialogue. Yeah. Uh so we have that um and then a lot of horror movies to awesome. to to cleanse our palate from real life horror. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think and that's what I'm that's what I'm learning by watching all of these horror movies. Like I have I've never been in that world, mostly because they scared me as a kid, and I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of those things as a kid. And now that I have started exploring that world um, in, in the things that I'm trying to make myself, there is something that kind of releases that fear, that lets that fear become a little less real-world fear. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of important. Just I think it's in, profound. I, yeah. th- I think it can be, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's often that we uh, look at the worst versions of things as representative of them. You know, my idea of grindhouse is that it can't be very profound, but there are moments in VFW that are like, oh fuck, that really messed Stephen Lang up. Those yes. moments are incredible, and you can find that in all of these different genres, um, and and that's what I'm really finding by kind of exploring a whole new genre that I had never. I, that it's an opportunity for me to explore something that I'd never played in. That's which really is cool. Cool.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy. And, and if you need recommendations, I, um, need your a, guy. I need all the recommendations. And, and for I sure. want to give you a chance because uh, um, you might not get the chance on your own show to to talk about what you're working on. Mm. So can I ask you what what this oh. film you reference a couple times that you're that you're working on? What is sure.
0: it? Sure. Uh, well, I've been working on a thriller, survival horror based on the structure of Dante's Inferno. Wow. Okay. Um, it is a group of six guys who have a guide that's leading them to a frozen lake in the middle of nowhere, and the characters outside of the main character are representative of the sins and shadows of this main character. That sounds
1: amazing. Did you see The House That Jack Built?
0: I have not. You have
1: to watch that. Great. Um,
0: I, love you. I love the references. This you're, is...
1: you're going to see the similarity. Yeah. Um, but it's a pretty amazing movie, not for the faint of heart, but... but um, has this great operatic ending that I won't give too much away about, mm-hmm. but it's similar to yours. Yeah, um, great. That's really cool, and and you have uh, no shortage of um, contacts in the casting world. Correct. But if you'd like to run it by me or yeah. give me a call, uh, you know I, that sounds right up my alley.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, it's 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 weird too that I because I don't really like to talk about stuff until it's the thing. Of course. You know, when you talk about something, sometimes that's enough for people and then they don't actually end up going and doing the thing. Yeah, you talk it away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm um, the same
1: way. It's the artist's way. Uh, I think so. Uh, also, the the kind of reaction that you get from someone, maybe you're like, maybe it wasn't as cool as it was in my head. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, but but I genuinely think that's very cool.
0: Well, I appreciate so, that. Yeah. Um, David, thank you for taking the time and for being persistent in reaching out to us. Uh, that's another aspect of... Why I wanted to sit down, like you have a persistence in you, not just in in the outreach to us and being like, hey, I want to be on your show, but in your life, in your career, in uh, in your pursuit of creating this stuff that, man, I think should be celebrated. So
1: thank you. and i I do want to say that, yeah, uh, for anyone, listening that maybe if you're starting your first film or if you you know like when in doubt just communicate um and if you really believe in your project uh, other people will see that and uh you know email me call, call <laughs> me I have I have fear of missing out so my email is is up there for any young you're just filmmaker. constantly
0: getting inundated
1: You know, not as much as you might think because people are afraid and there are a lot of false considerations and and kind of people put up roadblocks and say, well, you're not supposed to do this. It's unprofessional if you do that. That's bullshit. Mm. Because unless you're a crazy person and we know we have a great uh, radar for that, you know, sane people know when someone's crazy. Uh, You know, if you reach out and say, hey, I have this project and, you know, and I really think it's cool. And, you know, that's that's an opportunity. You're presenting me with an opportunity. So you're not bugging me. You're not annoying me. Mm -hmm. So I encourage everyone, actors, you know, reach out to me. Send me your headshots. I'll keep you in mind for things. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way you get things done.
0: Listen up, everybody. That's great advice. So can people follow you on the internets and, and how do they get in touch with you?
1: I don't have that big of a social media presence. I'm on Instagram, but unless you just want to see pictures of my cats, I if, that's the, <laughs> if that's the place for you. Um, no, I'm on Instagram. I'm on, um, you know, a lot of people have subscriptions to IMDb Pro yeah. and that's usually how they get in touch with me. Um, my, my email is my name with my middle initial A. So it's davidaguglielmo at gmail.com. But an easier one is my CineState email, which is David at CineState.com. Great. And, uh, yeah, I respond to, I'd say, 90-something percent of my emails. So.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully you're going to be getting a whole lot more. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank
1: you. Yeah? Thank you so much.
0: We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Placing Faces. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share this episode. We could really use some love, folks, and uh, we'd really like yours. Maria Perry, you are the best. Thank you again for everything. Our producer, a quick word from Maria Perry. Hi, I'm Maria Perry, the producer of Placing Faces, and I'm just popping in to let you know that you can now find and support Placing Faces on Patreon. This podcast is a labor of love, and that means our production cycles are slower than we'd like when our day jobs get in the way. We're hoping to be able to get one more person involved and make the editing process a little quicker. And when you support us, you can join the community that we're building. Find out who we'll be talking to next, submit questions, and vote in polls about upcoming episodes. So find us on Patreon or check our website for a link at... Blazing Faces is powered by collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs, connecting companies and creatives seamlessly. We'd also like to thank our partners at the Casting Society of America. The CSA is a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit castingsociety.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, be well.